2: I'm great. I'm so excited. How are you?
3: I'm doing pretty great. It it took us like a couple of tries to get into this intro because the information that we have to share with you is so enormous that I feel like... Are you sitting down? Right. Like, sit down. Are you in a safe space? Check your rearview mirror, you know, gather your surroundings, prepare for what we are about to tell you. It's a one-two punch of announcements folks. Yes. um, Here comes the first fist to your face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are going to be sitting down with Seth Green, a.k.a. Oz, a.k.a. The Werewolf Who Stole Our Hearts, uh, for an episode, (laughs) a very special episode, where we talk to Seth about his time on the show that will air on June Seventh June seventh is also the day, coincidentally, that Seth Green's directorial debut comes out. It is a movie called Change Land, and it is a comedy drama that stars a few wonderful people. One of them is Breckin Meyer. So this is like just all of my '90s heartstrings uh, mm-hmm. being played upon. I like I follow I think Seth Green because of buffering on Instagram, and there's a lot of crossover content between Seth Green and Breckin Meyer, which is is like always very enjoyable for me. (laughs) Uh, Anyhow, we are simply beside ourselves that we are going to get a chance to talk to Seth. Uh, Today, I'm going to put a post up on um, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook where you can submit questions so that we'll select a handful of of listener submitted questions to ask Seth when we sit down with him. So buckle up. Uh, This break of ours is just turning out to be less and less of a break. Yeah. What's a break? (laughs) What is a break?
2: Okay, all right. You've all got a stake on your eye right now. What well, that's S-T-E-A-K. Uh, <laughs> no, I know I was like, wait, what? <laughs> nursing the bruise, you just the emotional excitement bruise you just received from that news. Are you ready for the second part? No, they're not of Jenny. our big announcement. They're not. No, they're how could they be? We weren't even ready. But I'm gonna tell you anyway. <laughs> in secret, we deceived you. <laughs> and in secret We sat down with Charisma Carpenter recently in Los Angeles and talked to her all about her time portraying Cordelia on both Buffy and Angel. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She is amazing. We had the best time talking to her. She was so lovely and so funny and great. And we will be airing that interview, are you ready, on Charisma's birthday, July 23rd. (laughs) Which, like, for the record, we
3: were like, are there any important days in July for us to put this episode up? And she was like, my birthday is July 23rd. Which I thought was an incredibly wonderful Cordelia-Charisma crossover moment. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so what? What are we even doing to you in this introduction?
2: Oh my God. Yeah. It's really, woo. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. You know, Jenny,
3: I'm realizing that us telling them what we're doing this summer really doesn't matter anymore because all anyone's going to care about.
2: Yeah. Everyone is just staring into the middle distance right now with a ringing in their ears and nothing we say in the intro is going to register, but we must sally forth regardless. James Marsters, Seth Green, and Charisma Carpenter
3: all within like months of each other. What's even happening?
2: Yeah, is that a holy trinity or is that a holy trinity? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so let us
3: tell you what we are going to be doing this summer. Uh, if you do, if you do want to hear more from us and not just play the Charisma and Seth interviews on loop for the rest of your summer, um, I will be uh, doing another podcast that has already begun. It is called To L and Back, uh, and it is an L Word podcast. I, Jenny, I'm like really experiencing a lot of feelings. <laughs> For so many things, but namely for another Jenny, who I thought I hated, but it turns out- No, no, she's got a lot going on, doesn't she? Yo, Jenny Schechter is like really worming her way into my heart. There's like a whole yeah. journey happening over there. And that uh, season one of To Ellen Back will go all the way through July. So if you're missing me in your ears, you can hear me and my journey with Jenny Schechter, Marina, Alice, Dana, Shane, Laura Perkins. Oh my God, there's so much going on over there. So join me and Reese Bernard, who is the CEO of Autostraddle and probably a person who knows more about the L word than anyone else on this planet, uh, will be weekly in your ears, uh, talking about some lesbian stuff. Hmm. Hmm. Speaking of lesbian stuff, New York City Pride is at the end of June, and I will be uh, hosting the seventh annual All Ages New York City Pride Party at Housing Works in Brooklyn, Housing Works Bookstore Cafe. So you can follow me in all the places using my name, Kristen Nolene, to find out all of those details. I'm very
2: excited. I'm excited for you, and I'm also excited for myself, if (laughs) I may. You may. You may. During our not so breaky break, I will be uh, doing some music stuff. I'll be releasing uh, some some Jenny Owen Youngs music for the first time in a while, and I'm going to be announcing details uh, about that very soon. So please uh, join me upon social media. I'm at Jenny Owen Youngs on all platforms. You can also find me at jennyowenyangs.com, where I will very soon be revealing um, some some musical release. Plans, information, pre-order, merch. Wow. What wow. a time to be alive. I also, uh, as you may or may not know, am playing just a few shows in the Northeast in May. And the Boston and Brooklyn shows are sold out. But there are still, at the time of this, taping a few tickets for Philly left. That's May 18th at Milk Boy. You can grab tickets at JennyOandYoungs.com uh, or at Milk Boy's website as well. Uh, and that's what I'm getting up to. Um, I wish I could tell you more uh, highly specific things about the music release right now, but uh, just tweaking and tweaking, and it's almost ready. Okay, cool. We're we're all going to be ready for it when it's ready for us,
3: Jenny. You know what I mean? Okay, okay, all right. Thank you. Something that is ready right now for your beer is a mm. uh, <laughs> new beer Stein that's in our store that Ooh, has Isabella yes. Rotman's "Support Your Local Alewife" design on it. One of you out there tweeted a picture of the beer stein full of beer and it looks so beautiful. <laughs> uh So yeah. thank you. Whoever you are out there. We have a lot of new merch in the store just, you know, so you can get your summer fix-ins. I'm sure we'll add a couple more things over the summer too. So you should follow us for those updates. Cause like, how could we not do another crop top? We have to
2: um, another crop top, maybe like a nice big buffering, the vampire slayer beach towel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, it's just, just Riley. An it's here's just Kristen. R- <laughs> oh my
3: God. Yes. It's just Riley. Um, uh, but yeah, we have beer signs. We have new mugs with our logo on them. We have dad hats, which I, honest to God, I've worn my dad hat every day for the last like three weeks. Um, and we also have a new enamel pin designed by Kara Sykes that is the two queerest witches of all, Tara and Willow. It's a beautiful bird's eye view of them doing their sweaty, sweaty spell that is referred to <laughs> lovingly as the O spell. So get on over there, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on shop.
2: And hey, speaking of queer witches, a new jingle alert. Wow. This, this intro is like
3: more powerful than even the podcast itself. <laughs> yeah, this intro is basically a whole episode unto itself. All right, buckle up. We got a, uh, we got a jingle from Jenny Owen Young's about two queer witches. That's pretty gay all around. <laughs>
0: Inventing machines, pulling petals off of roses, Greek poetry, kittens, and you know it's sweaty work doing spells from a place of love, like Willow and Terra.
3: <sighs> Jenny, beautiful, beautiful job. It's Yay! almost. Thanks. It's almost like, you know, it's almost like you yourself are queer and therefore... I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to... How rude. I didn't mean to out you here on Buffering the Vampire Slayer. I I only like hunks, actually. (laughs) How dare you? Um, Beautiful job. I want to say, um, as some of you already know, Jenny has a lot of talent, but um, I'm like a natural talent. (laughs) A natural talent. Without any training, I have written melodies, uh, you know, for songs Mm. like Halloween. Uh, back at season one i i've helped a lot with lyrics and when jenny was working on this jingle i just like without even thinking about it i just like texted her like some lyrical ideas and jenny was so inspired by my (laughs) off-the-cuff lyrics that literally moments later i mean i guess we're both natural talents because it really took you like yes two natural talents It only took you, like, literally 20, like, not even 20 minutes. And Jenny texted me like a prankster and was like, "Um, I just, like, uh, I think I might have fixed, like, a recurring audio issue that we've been having. So, like, I sent you an email, and the email was titled, like, (laughs) Audio Issue, and I was like, what is this? And I (laughs) (laughs) hit play, and it was the lyrics I had texted her fully arranged to this beautiful secondary jingle for Tara and Willow.
0: When I say say
3: I was so moved that my, that my text moved you to make, like, it really meant, it just
2: meant a lot to me. So thank you. I felt really seen. Uh, You're welcome. And everyone else is welcome too.
3: I suppose that this will be the jingle segment of our intro because you know what it's time for, Jenny? It's the season finale of Spooky
2: News, uh, and I thought this was... Yeah, a... I hope this one's a doozy. Well, I hope you're ready to wow me and knock my spooky socks off. It, it is, in the sense of, like, you know how when
3: you look above Two Queer Witches doing a spell, you see, like, a circle <laughs> that connects to itself um, of, sure, of magic? Sure, sure, Well, this is, uh-huh. like, the, this is, like, the Spooky News circle closing itself, because if you, if you remember, the very first, the reason that Spooky News is a thing is because several months ago, I learned that two girls in high school baked one of their grandfather's ashes into cookies and served the cookies to their classmates. And I couldn't stop thinking about it or talking about it for like 1 billion years. So I put it up here in the intro. So Denise B., one of our listeners, sent me in this. So many of you send me spooky news. I love it. I I mostly love it. Sometimes I get like 400 messages about terrifying things, but what are you going to (laughs) do? But Denise B. sent in this news story from... uh, uh, it's a it's a town that's spelled L I T I T Z. So I would like to call it Latitz, <laughs> Pennsylvania, <laughs> please, please. Okay, so <laughs> so in Latitz, Pennsylvania, uh, this happened at Easter dinner um, of of the home of this woman named Martha. The family learned that she had used her deceased husband, his name was Earl, which I feel is really relevant. Goodbye, Earl. Literally, goodbye, Earl. Her deceased husband, Earl, uh, she used his ashes in the meal. Now, just hang tight, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. She didn't tell anybody um, until, oh my God. until after they finished eating. And then she told them all that she had used her late husband's cre- cremated remains um, in the meal so they could all have a piece of him forever, which I feel like she didn't remember that like when you eat that so, you don't keep it for but okay, like metaphysics. <laughs> Fine. Huh. Fine, Martha. But in addition, the other piece of this story that tickled me, if you if I can use that phrasing, is that um she used his ashes. Is in, are you ready? The mashed potatoes, the bread, mm. the cake, and mm. Jenny, mm. even in her homemade marshmallow peeps. What? Yeah, that's right. Some husband-ash marshmallow peeps were involved
0: uh, in an Easter dinner oh my in gosh. Lash-
2: Tits, Pennsylvania. This might be my favorite spooky news of all uh, for so <laughs> many reasons. This is real. It's got something for everyone. Um also <laughs> ash potatoes. Ooh, ashed patet. Oh god, it's good.
3: So Woof. thank you Jenny for listening. Thank you uh everyone else for listening. This has been your Spooky News. Alright, something that's not spooky at all, Jenny, is the fact that today, in addition to our season finale airing, the Angel on Top season finale to Shanshu in LA is also airing today. I have heard this episode. It is so wonderful. Brittany and Laura are so hysterical. I was like cry laughing at several (laughs) points of this episode. Um, Also, I do a special segment about my feelings on Cordelia's growth this season. Um, We talk about the queer woman at the art table, which I think is like a really critical, pivotal character in this episode. (laughs) And, um, And I do a fuck watch with Brittany and Laura. So there's like a lot of really fun, wonderful stuff. If you are not already listening to
2: Angel on Top, you should be. Yeah. And speaking of fun, wonderful stuff, uh, while we're taking our summer hiatus, that is, again, increasingly less and less like a hiatus, (laughs) uh, Angel on Top episodes will also pause uh, and come back with us in the fall. But in the meantime, they've got some hot, hot stuff going on over on Patreon for the summer. Number one, my my a number one favorite thing that they are doing is, are you ready? Angel on High, which (laughs) is, of course, uh some some podcast episodes where britney and laura will get high and then discuss uh angel heavy episodes of buffy the vampire slayer for your listening pleasure they used to do this on um uh Sicker sadder world their daria podcast and they were some of my my favorite episodes uh listening to them talk about stuff while they're high is pretty great and they'll also be doing An angel watch, a group watch like we do for our Buffy watches. They'll be doing a corresponding angel watch over the summer for their patrons as well. Yes,
3: and uh, our Patreon schedule, as well as Angel on Top's Patreon schedule, is all on our calendar. You can find that by going to Buffering the Vampire Slayer and clicking on Events. You can see all of those things. They're all listed for you. Uh, I will say that since I've listened to the Angel on Top finale, I know that Brittany and uh, Laura both said during their announcement of Angel on High that they are going to be consuming legal California marijuana and being very safe. There will be no driving. There will be no any. Anything, just sitting on the couch discussing our favorite brooding vampire
2: well i feel better already uh, as always we want to thank lauren klein our dutiful sound engineer who you can follow on instagram at lauren taylor klein jenny i think it's time it's time it's t- our 20 minute intro is coming to a close <laughs> hey you know what it's a great it's not it's fun up here it's not like it's not taxing. there's a lot a lot to talk about and it's also so hard to say goodbye for this season except, except not goodbye because we're, we're doing just, all that
3: other stuff you were trying to cue me to to sing some voice sure, to yes, me do it do it's it. so hard uh-huh. to say goodbye to mm-hmm. season 4 wow
2: Ooh! that's so nice <laughs> god hello and welcome (laughs) to the last episode of season four of buffering the vampire slayer a podcast where we are watching every episode of buffy the vampire slayer one at a time spoiler free I am Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am still Kristen Russo. And this week, we are doing the second
3: of a two-part season finale for Season 4, Episode 22, Restless. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast. You might have thought it was going to be at the end of the last one, but actually, it's at the end of this one. (laughs) Part two gets the song for an original song written by Jenny, recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing.
2: Restless was still written and directed by Joss Whedon and still originally aired on May twenty third, 2000. Yes, and this is still the one where Buffy, Willow, Xander, and Giles are experiencing
3: dreams in which they are pursued by Senea. Uh, IMDb says a mysterious figure, but we all know that it's Senea. We all know we've got a lot more to talk about. If you are just tuning in and you missed the first part, go back and listen to the first part of our discussion of the finale, because in there we talk about Willow's dream, we talk about Xander's dream, we also have a bit of an interview with David Wells, who plays the cheese Man, and now, I believe, we are going to sally forth, if you will. I will. Into Giles's dream.
2: Giles.
0: Hot dad, When you were younger, you were real bad. But now you're older, you've got glasses that help you watch over us. Thank you,
3: Charles. You know, we've talked about it in the the last piece of things, but we're getting a very deep, detailed view about what's happening with these characters and what has been going on with them for season four in this poem of an episode. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Oh my god, it's Olivia. So, well, hold on. Oh my
0: god, it's can't, not I can't Olivia wait
3: yet.
2: I can't possibly <laughs>
3: but wait. But it is going to be Olivia. All right. Um all right, which I have uh, questions about too, but um we start with Buffy under hypnosis. Oh, whoops. I didn't right. even take a note about that. I know it's well it's really quick, but I found it really interesting because I have like little flashes of memory for, you know, all of the last four seasons. I don't remember every detail, but when I saw this, I immediately went back to the episode which was a pivotal point for Buffy and Giles where um she was turning 18. Oh, helpless. Helpless. And she had to, you know, she had to perform under these crazy circumstances because the Watcher's Council is full of what, Jenny? The
0: Patriot! That's
3: right. The patriarchy. Anyway, Giles, as her watcher, was told that he had to like hypnotize her and then give her injections of this thing that would take away her. But it was really dramatic. And it was this massive betrayal of trust Mm -hmm. between them. So I just I found it to be a very interesting and pointed choice that his whole dream began with him. Hypnotizing Buffy, because I think Giles remembers it just as much as I do. (laughs) That's all I'm trying to say. Then we go to where you would like to get us to. Olivia. So Buffy is a child, right? She's over-childized in, like, overalls, which are pointedly not the overalls of sadness. (laughs) Uh, And Olivia is pushing a baby carriage.
2: Yep. That is empty. Yeah, it's Buffy's, I think. Right. Um, Right. And
3: this is... Of course, Giles was a school librarian and a watcher, and now yeah. he is neither. I mean, he, he's he's not an official watcher. Um, he doesn't really know exactly what his purpose is, and he's been struggling with that for the whole season. Yeah, a side of Giles that we don't get to see a lot, but I think is really cool. That's such a big part of this dream, is like Giles is an adult man who perhaps think sometimes about what it means that he was a watcher what it means that he doesn't really date very much and like his and the women he does date are like I'm
2: terrified of your life goodbye exactly
3: and I think that's real and I love that you know I wish we I really do wish that we actually got more of that in the series about Giles that like you know he is making decisions and some things he's not deciding but similar to Buffy he's saving the world and that means that he can't have a normal quote quote life you know he doesn't have a partner he doesn't have children buffy is kind of his child Yeah. Um, We're so dad hot dad when he was older he was i mean younger he was real, real bad. bad he had glasses and he's so, man. <laughs> and now he takes care of us. Is that how it goes? Thank you,
0: Jazz.
3: Just... <clears throat> so, another thing that I thought was cool is that this first scene with Olivia, the baby carriage, Buffy, Giles is in a cemetery slash state fair. It's like the hybrid of those two yeah.
2: worlds. So great. We've got that like great, uh, game that buffy wants to play real bad that's all I'm- i am a vampire <laughs> yeah 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 and she misses real wide and shiles is like buffy you have a sacred birthright to protect mankind <laughs> Don't stick your elbow out.
3: <laughs> right. And it's like Giles's feeling of needing to protect, needing to take
2: care. Mm-hmm, um,
3: mm-hmm. I A small, tiny little thing that I noticed is that at the State Fair Cemetery thing, there's a, a marquee behind them that it says Dirty Gerties. And I just... Oh, goodness. I, you know, it's just there. And wonder I wonder what's
2: going on in there. I don't want to know.
3: I want to go into Dirty Gerties. Uh, we don't, uh, though.
2: We go into Spike's Crypt, which has a bajillion lawn gnomes outside. Yes,
3: which is a great detail. It's like, <laughs> how much fun must it have been to create this episode to, like, really just sit in a writer's room and be like, what are these, like, wacky details that we can thread through to make this dream like? And they yeah. just nail it at every turn. Because that's that's totally, you can imagine, like, waking up and being like, I had this dream where I was in the cemetery and I was in Spike's crypt, but he had... So many gnomes (laughs) outside. It's like like weird, like, what is your brain doing when it sets you up with these details? So... This is this is fun. Spike really gets like a starring role in the dream. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's so great. And he's, you know, an entrepreneur through and through. They brought a they brought a fair into his cemetery. He's going to make a buck.
3: Yeah. He's he's basically doing the the classic freak show, which is such a staple of so many state fairs that they would have like the freak show where you'd go see. Various humans that's or vampires so problematic in the actual execution of what a freak show was. Bananas. Um, yeah, just insane. Insane what this planet does and what our society does. Like that you would pay $5 to see, quote, freaks, which of course are people who um, don't look or appear the way that society expects them to based on their gender or based on their, whatever it is. It's just yeah. like really atrocious stuff. Um, but in Spike's but in case. In this
2: context, it's Spike just... is just looking uh, scary. Right. He's doing. And and black and is, white. Oh my God. Like
3: James Marster is just absolutely impeccable in his ability to work that coat. I mean, are you kidding? Oh my God. Yeah. Like his poses, his like everything that he does is just fucking brilliant if you didn't listen to our interview with James uh it's definitely one of the highlights of my life was sitting down to talk to him so you should go check it out but this is really funny and it also switches to black and white which is a fun you know because we're doing a lot with lighting we're doing a lot with like all these sorts of things and so Spike's segment is in black and white Um, yeah yeah
2: but when it flashes back to Giles and like Olivia like watching him that's in color yes which is cool yeah back and forth Also, just want to like pop in here to say that uh, in the the director's commentary track for this episode, at this point, Joss talks a bit about how obviously we're seeing like giles like is like what is my life he uh doesn't know if he like wants to be a father if he wants to be a rock star right. if he wants to just give the boring exposition in every episode of buffy and then he just had. so ultimately i just decided to combine the latter two <laughs> for this dream as as we move like when we eventually get to the bronze in a second he's kind of like Rocking out as we've been seeing him do increasingly lately and also just like saying everything that's uh, coming to mind in terms of what's really going on here. Right,
3: right. Um, And before, of course, we go to the bronze. Well, two things. Spike says to Giles, make up your mind, Mm -hmm. which is an important line. Um, It's again like underlining this dichotomy of like, what are you? Are you this or are you that, man? Yeah. This is the time to decide. Now you got to (laughs) figure out what your life is. And then, of course, we get the third appearance of the Cheese Man. Uh, definitely check out the first part of our finale where you can hear uh, us talking to David Wells. And he says what I think is the most um, known line <laughs> of the Cheese Man to Giles' dream, which is I wear the cheese, it does not wear me.
2: Which actually I learned Ooh. is Joss poking fun at a line that Leo DiCaprio says in the modern version of The Man in the Iron Mask. What? I wear the mask. It does not wear me. Wow. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's
3: really a good behind the scenes little snippet. So we go to the bronze. Slash Giles' Giles' apartment. apartment,
0: This is great. His couch
3: and his lamp are set up in the bronze. Very, very. The most dream. Totally.
2: Anya's doing stand up Her <sighs> calling! <sighs> okay, let's just give a minute
3: here for Anya's joke. I just let's just all get to hear it together.
4: A man walks into the office of a doctor. He's wearing on his head um there's there's a there's a duck. Is that right? You suck. Quiet! You'll miss the humorous conclusion. And then the duck tells the doctor that there's a man that's attached to my ass. (laughs)
0: See, it was
4: the duck and not the man that spoke.
2: (laughs) How are they going to get that man off that duck's ass? Oh, Anya. Oh, Anya. I love, like, I feel like Anya and
3: Spike really occupy very similar roles in the dreams. Like, they're, like, supporting characters to, like, help us, uh, you know, get to the next place or, like, understand something about the other character. Or, like,
2: have fun while we're just getting some, like, nebulous kind of, like psychic yes. narrative about the other characters. Okay, so, so are you ready for some shit? I'm ready for some shit. Okay, so Giles gets up on stage and he's all like, "Willow, check the chronicles. Of course this stuff is happening." And he's telling us all kinds of stuff about, "Oh my gosh, it must be the first watcher." "Oh my gosh, uh, a disturbance must have been caused by us like doing the spell whatever." All right. The gentleman playing the piano on stage of the Bronze is Christoph Beck, who scores the series. Joss wrote the exposition that needed to be delivered, and then Christoph Beck (laughs) just scored and arranged it. Wow. That's right. Uh, So that's what they're doing up there. Well, (laughs) Joss. Giles is just, like, leaning the mic forward. Everybody's got their lighters up. He looks great. He looks natural. Yeah, so, and I don't think that you're
3: going to get through this episode without us playing some of Giles' song, of course, but I actually want to talk about some of the stuff that is said, I think, before Giles starts singing. Um which is Willow and Giles are, are talking and, and she's saying, you know, there's some things after us and it's your fault. And they talk about Sinaia again without using her name. um They just say there's, it's a primal force. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and I, you know, we keep sort of like lightly touching on the Sanea thing. We're going to get into it uh, much more, obviously when we get to Buffy's dream, but just want to put a little underline here that uh-huh, like, uh-huh. once again, we're not saying this person's name. We're not treating them like, they are a human, they're just a force and energy. Um, and I think the word that is used in the episode, as well as in the director's commentary, is primitive, which right. um, sort of gets at the heart of Oof. this whole issue and why this is so problematic. But we'll get more into it in a, in a minute. Um, Giles is singing, Jenny has explained to us where the music came from. I said to Kate Leth before we started doing this episode, I said, Kate, you know, you got to give us a, a finale Fashion Watch, of course, and I would love to play Giles' a song and then let the listeners just roll right out of that song into your beautiful dulcet <laughs> tones, and she, she was into it. So we're going to play a little snippet of Giles singing, and then right when you get most excited, we're going to get you even more excited with a Fashion <laughs> Watch from Kate Leth.
0: It's strange It's not like anything we've faced before It seems familiar somehow The spell we cast with Buffy must have released some primal.
4: Well, hello there and welcome back to Buffy Fashion Watch as we wrap up season four. I would like to give Giles a special thanks for singing me into this strange, beautiful, problematic, interesting, very, very different episode that closes out season four and ushers us into season five as mysteriously as possible. Now, there's a lot of fashion to talk about in this episode because in everyone's dreams, everyone's wearing different outfits and costumes. But I would like to take a moment to really appreciate Harmony's dirndl, uh, the word for that sort of Bavarian peasant dress uh, tavern wench outfit that she's wearing that I learned when I got really deep into the weeds last year trying to buy a nice one for the L.A. Renaissance Fair, which is known as the Pleasure Fair, which is terrible. The uh, name, not the fair. The fair is pretty fun. And partly because I refuse to discuss uh, what Willow and Tara are wearing in Xander's dream because it is so distressing. I would like to talk for just a quick second about Willow's nightmare. Now, Willow's nightmare sees her dressed the way that she was in season one. And I think that that's so interesting because all of her dream, obviously, we're talking about, you know, people are going to find out who you are. People are going to find out the real you. And we think, you know, maybe that has to do with her sexuality or with the witchcraft. And then it's no, that she's still a huge nerd. And that's really interesting to me because so much of how Willow changes and evolves is really reflected in her clothing and in her hair, even though she's still wearing, you know, kind of goofy stuff, sarongs and bright colors and, you know, all the all the things that were very popular if you were kind of a free spirit in that particular point in time but it really does show how much she's changed. You know, we've seen her come from these giant fuzzy sweaters and terrible fleece hats and oversized corduroy pants. And now she does dress a little bit more fashionable and she does kind of show off her figure a little bit. And, and you know, part of that is growing up and getting older and the character growing up and getting older. But I just... Love that moment. And I don't really have a particularly insightful opinion other than that. I think it's great that Willow's greatest fear is that she had no character progression. It makes sense. You know, she's smart, like how Harry Potter's greatest fear is fear itself because he's afraid of the Dementors when they show up in the boggart. You know what I'm talking about, right? Right. Anyway, Riley wears both a cowboy outfit and a suit. It's a whole situation. Buffy's cherry dress at the end is wonderful because it really symbolizes how different she is from the First Slayer, whose whole deal I am not even gonna touch. Now, I'm gonna wrap this up because I live near an airport and they keep letting planes take off despite how many times I ask them not to and my audacity keeps crashing. So I'd like to say thank you for joining us for Season 4. I am excited to come back for Season 5 because... (laughs) Oh, boy, there are some outfits. Until next time, I'll see you at the mall. That was our friend Kate. She gave you the Buffy
0: fashion update.
3: Oh, my gosh. Kate Leth. Kate Leth having some audio issues there at the end because of the planes in her her neighborhood, which is kind of like immersive theater here because we leave the bronze with feedback, which is another audio issue.
2: Ah uh, yes,
3: um, and then uh,
2: Giles is lo- maybe looking for the source of the feedback, and uh, as as many a musician has experienced, <laughs> sometimes you have to follow your mic cable off stage back into the back the same backstage area that Willow is, is that right? It seems like seems the same pretty backstage, pretty darn similar. Yeah. And then he just comes upon a great heap of uh, stragnona. <laughs> wow like uh, spaghetti cabling. Uh huh. And then, okay, so
3: Giles says, um, I can defeat this, I can defeat Senea, of course, nobody's saying her name, but I can defeat her with my intellect. And and one of the things is, is really starting to be underlined here, and it, and it gets even more into it when we get to Buffy's dream, but it, it's sort of like Western civilization was framed directly up against um, being more advanced then and therefore superior to um, other people, specifically black people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's many layers of problems with um, the treatment of the first Slayer, the treatment of Sinea And one of them is really underlined with this moment that Giles has where he's like, but I have intellect, so I can defeat you. Um, it's an
2: issue. He also says uh, tipping the hand of the episode the most to us as as it has been up to this point. You never had a watcher. Yes. So now this is the window that's open, right? Right. For us. Right. And uh Jenny, uh how does Giles Oh my God, he gets debrained. He gets debrained. He
3: gets like scalped, right? It's like that's the the
2: scalped and then probably the whole brain goes. Yeah,
3: definitely. And I think maybe Maybe people know now that we're at Dream 3
2: that, <inaudible> <inaudible> uh, of
3: course, the way that each Scooby is attacked by Senea is directly related to their power from
2: right. within the context of the spell from. Exactly. Uh, Primeval. Today's episode is brought to you by
3: Regal Cinemas Well, we come to it at last. Ah, the dream of Buffy. Buffy's dream. The Buffy dream. Uh, Yes, we've made it to the fourth quadrant of this double episode. And we're going to get a chance to talk to Lauren Eggert Crow, who is a writer, a poet, uh, and also... The
2: creator!
3: And curator of uh, Hamilton in Sunnydale on Tumblr and Sunnydale Ham... On Twitter, it which rocks, rocks, and um, we'll we'll let Lauren talk to you more about that in a second. Um, we're gonna have some conversation with her about Buffy's dream and about the episode as a whole. But let's let's get into some specifics first, Jenny. Anya is roommates with Buffy in Buffy's yeah, dream. What's the totally. meaning there? Or
2: they're just having a slumber party. Right. Because Willow's always staying over at Tara's for some reason. Oh, you think that, like, in Buffy's subconscious, she feels,
3: like, maybe she's a little jealous of Willow's closeness to Tara? Or, like, lonely. Right. Aww. And, like, needs a pal and... Anya's around.
2: Anya's a great pal. Plus, Anya's
3: probably so tired from steering that ice cream truck with oh, no... Oh, I thought a,
2: you were going to say so tired from dealing with Xander being a Viking in the sack. <laughs> <laughs> also that. So,
3: okay. So after we get this moment between Anya and Buffy that's pretty short-lived. And we see Sinea on the ceiling. Right. We see Sinea on the ceiling, which is very scary. Anything on the ceiling is yeah, just... Yeah, bad. Nothing good ever comes from No, that makes me think of... Someone on the um, ceiling. Tri- train spotting there's a baby on this oh yeah i don't you know me everybody i don't remember anything and i remember that baby on that ceiling (laughs) so we go to um from buffy's dorm room into buffy's sort of childhood bedroom um she's there and she says to uh tara who's now there faith and i just made that bed
2: and tara's all for who? And we're like, I don't know. <laughs> but it's 7:30 a.m. Yes. And of course, this
3: is a spoiler-free podcast, but wink wink nod nod everybody. Yes, many Winks. we know. Many nods. We know, and one day you all will know.
2: Stop <gasps> writing your email right now explaining to us <laughs> what 7:30 <730 laughs> means being made for. <laughs> um, so, oh my gosh. Is it is it a tarot card or a tarot card?
1: Wow.
2: I should go. <laughs> so I make sure my secretary always has a terra deck on hand. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to talk to Lauren a little bit about
3: the the Manus tarot card here. Ta- mm-hmm. uh, sorry, Jenny, the Manus tarot card. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, and Tara says to Buffy. <gasps> Can I say
2: it? Can I say it? You may. You think you know what's to come, what you are. You haven't even begun. What's wrong with me? Why did I want to do that so bad?
3: I don't know. It's also like I know the inside scoop, which is that yesterday we taped a segment with this and you said it the same way. You're really excited to say that line (laughs) over and over again. Also, it always makes me think of the um, that Britney Spears. Like, you think you know, but you have no idea. You mean the uh,
2: MTV, what is it, Real Life? Real Life,
3: yeah. You think you know.
2: (laughs) You think you know, but you have no idea. This is the Diary of Britney Spears. But really, you have no idea. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Which is kind of what Tara's (laughs) saying. And she says to Buffy, be back before dawn.
2: (gasps) What could it mean? Um, We move to school where Joyce is in the wall. Dude, And
3: this is, of course, like, I think that this is definitely Buffy struggling with her feelings of um, change this year. She's always lived with Joyce, um, especially after the divorce and the move to L.A. It's been her and Joyce in the house. Right, Doing right. their mom-daughter thing. Sure. Uh, and as we learned, Buffy is, you know, not picking up her mail. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She's not been spending a lot of time with Joyce. No, nope, no. Nope. She did save Joyce's life, Thank but you. you know, their closeness is shifting and that's weird, which is a memory I have from from leaving my home and you know, I was mostly excited to leave my home, but I also had feelings of guilt and confusion about like how to interact with my family. Um, in this new way when I didn't live, you know, it's easy to have a relationship. I mean, not easy, but it's, it's like your relationship is kind of built in when you live at home. Right, right. Um, and then when you really have to make an effort to be like, let us have dinner together or do you want to come and meet me for lunch? It's a very different thing. Yeah. So I think that's what we're seeing here. (laughs)
2: and she's got this whole bit about a mouse playing with her knees and buffy's all like mom i really don't think you should live in the walls and like they're having this conversation about whether she should stay in there or not and then of course as soon as joyce is like well you are pretty strong you could probably break Break me out of the, the wall buffy has gotten distracted and moved on zoom
3: okay before we get too far into buffy's dream Let's get into the conversation that we had with Lauren, um, because we talk about things like Riley calling Buffy a killer. We talk about the Manus card. We talk about the problematic nature of Sinaya. Um, And I think that our conversation with Lauren was really fun. So let's let's go over there, Jenny. And then when we come back out the other end, we'll say some more about Buffy's dream. Yes. <phone rings> All right. So Jenny and I are here with Lauren Eggert who is a writer, a poet, in fact. Uh, And who also is responsible for Hamilton and Sunnydale, which is, as I just learned, more than a Twitter. It is a Twitter and a Tumblr. That's true. Uh, I know it as Twitter, and it's wonderful. Do you want to explain what
1: Hamilton and Sunnydale is for those few who might not know? Yes. So Hamilton and Sunnydale, or Sunnydale Ham on Twitter, is a mashup of Hamilton and Buffy. So it has screenshots from Buffy the Vampire Slayer with (laughs) lyrics from Hamilton overlaid on it. It's so good. Trying to find um, scenes that are relevant to each other. And then sometimes on Twitter, I also have Buffy quotes with Hamilton gifs. Oh. Yeah, sometimes I switch it up a little bit, wow. you know.
3: So long ago, when we first met, you were like, here's the deal. <laughs> restless. Like, it was, we were like season two, you know what <laughs> I mean? You were like, I just, restless, okay? So now we're here. We're in Restless. We're talking about Restless. We're at the end of season four, and you have a lot of feelings and thoughts. And I thought, you know, it would be amazing to
1: just sit and chat with you about some of these things. I love this episode so much, A, because I'm a poet, and Restless is such a poetic, lyrical, surreal, dreamy episode. Um, And I think, and I think other people believe this too, is that it provides the emotional blueprint for where the characters have been and where they're going. There's so much foreshadowing in it, which this is a spoiler-free podcast so we won't talk (laughs) about, but it also talks about what the characters have been dealing with for the last four seasons. We've had some really plot-heavy seasons. And season four, like we had Adam and the initiative and Faith Uh coming back and... Buffy going to see Angel, and there's so much. And I feel like Restless is like this lyrical pause where we're like, okay, yeah, now, let's let's transition to let's really deepen what we're thinking about the mythology of this show. Mm-hmm. Where does Buffy come from? What does it mean to be a slayer versus being a killer? Um, and we've also we've learned that in the Weed verse, they love dream sequences. Like, if there's anything we know. So good at that, I know. And dream sequences, as we've learned, are so important in the Wheaton verse. It's like where the characters, like, they download messages from the universe. It's it sounds very LA. Sounds very Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. They take little, uh, you know, hard drives. Yeah, and in they insert them. Um, <laughs> But so people who are into magic say that dreams are where we psychically digest what we've been thinking, what we've been feeling, everything we've been processing. And so Restless is sort of like where the characters get to do that. And we get to use like visual cues like imagery and lighting and callbacks to previous seasons and all these other like surreal elements that help us see like where the characters where they're at and how they're feeling yeah.
3: yeah yeah in a way that really doesn't happen and the, you know it happens sometimes in more heavy-handed ways throughout the season but in not not in a comprehensive way like yeah we see in this episode yeah like
1: restless really goes for it like there's definitely danger and there's a fight scene but it's mostly the character's interiority which is pretty cool yeah mm-hmm. yeah
3: you specifically like i mean you love the whole episode but buffy's yeah. dream is yeah. the one that like is the heaviest In your experience, the one that you wanted to talk about the most. Yes,
1: right. So I think Buffy's dream is my favorite because I think it gets to the heart of the emotional conflict, which is at the center of the series, which is the it's between the isolation of being special and chosen Versus the, like, pain and vulnerability that comes with letting people in and being in community. Mm -hmm. So Buffy is always pulled between that. She's set apart. She's the slayer. But she also has these friends. But people can hurt you and leave you and abandon you. And as we've seen many times in the series. So she's always kind of, like, trying to decide if she is alone or if she has people to support her. Right. And so the first slayer is following them all through their dreams as like punishment for the enjoining spell. (laughs) And, um, and it's, but that's also sort of, they keep saying this is like nothing we've ever faced before because they're, I think they're also facing the psychic damage that can happen from all of the time they spend with like death and destruction and violence. Mm. Like, They've been fighting and, like, killing things and been in danger and being, like, experiencing trauma for four years now. Like, what can that do to a person? <laughs> Truly. Yeah. And, and I think that they have, like, all of them, but maybe especially Buffy because she is the slayer and she has this weight on her shoulders. Like, they have to contend with what does that mean for them? Like, how do they keep moving forward? How do they not lose themselves and lose each other in the process of, like, fighting all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like what Xander said to Buffy when she was on her way to kill Faith in season three. He said, I don't want to lose you. Mm-hmm. Right? And they're all, like, that's kind of what they're always grappling with. They're always on that line of, like, walking that line between light and darkness. Do you think that that is
3: then what Sanea is also symbolizing? as like, the, the side of things, sort of the mentality that all the other Slayers have had to have where they do lose their... They don't have friendships. They don't have whatever because really the only way up until now to do that kind of killing and fighting Mm -hmm. is to lose yourself.
1: Right, exactly. And she says, she says, no friends just to kill. We are alone. And she says that I just live in the penetrating wound and the blood cry and I live in the action of death. Like that's a very lonely existence. Mm -hmm. And that's what... That is what Buffy comes from. Um, There's problematic stuff about that that I'll talk about later. Um, But, like, it's definitely, like, Buffy is grappling with where she comes from, the source of her power, which is violence and darkness and chaos. Mm -hmm. And how does she live with that? How does she not stuff it into a box and ignore it? Mm -hmm. And how does she not completely succumb to it and still be a human and still, like, be a person. Right.
2: Yeah, and we know that, like, Buffy and every Slayer is, like, imbued with a sort of, like, supernatural physical strength, Mm -hmm. right? But I don't know. Like, I feel like up to this point in the series we've seen maybe some indication that she's also imbued with a, like, psychological strength that might be, like, a step or two Mm -hmm. out ahead of her friends. But I don't know if that's, like, because of experience or like training or if she just straight up like has this ability like a greater ability to to deal with what she is doing on a daily basis that comes with the strength like that comes with the physical strength
1: yeah I think so I mean I think she has that um that slayer's intuition which is why she's always having prophetic dreams right she's part of a line of of women who are fighting evil and who have like both mental and emotional strength as well as physical strength. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, and,
3: and you know, I'm, I'm sure you're going to talk about this as well, but it's just, like, the thing that is, there are a lot of problematic things. But mm-hmm. one of the biggest ones for me is in her ignoring of Sanya mm-hmm. That, like, it isn't, it, this episode doesn't see her take, Sanya's words and wisdom and experience in any way, shape, or form—it right. just sees her say, "Like I got it, I've got this," yep. and like as a as a queer woman, that was very striking to me because I thought well, I, you know, like so much of my life is looking to my history and like mm-hmm. the people who have come before me, mm-hmm. the work that they've done, and and using that and not saying like, uh, sorry, I got this now, I don't need," and and yeah. that was. Very unslayer-like of Buffy, I thought. I, um, yeah. But it's not so far too. removed,
2: like, from behavior we might expect to see from a 20-year-old girl. Right. Or a 20-year-old yeah. white. A 20-year-old oh, white girl, too. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. If we're going to put
3: the race into this, it's yeah. Just yeah. like, it's, yeah, she's, um, when Senea speaks, we're like, oh, Senea is speaking, and Buffy's like, yeah, I'm good. The Weedonverse
1: loves an inner struggle, and I think that that... Like, so if Sineya is supposed to represent Buffy's inner darkness and violence, Mm -hmm. and then that's why they're wrestling and fighting. But, like, that's so racist to have a black woman be a metaphor for how a white woman achieves self-actualization. Like, Buffy goes to, like, generic Africa, which represents (laughs) desolation and loneliness— And, like, then Sinea like, doesn't get to be a full human. She's just this metaphor that represents Buffy's inner source. And Buffy's, like, says a racist thing about her hair. And, like, she's like, you're not the source of me. Well, actually, like. Kind of, like, literally. Right. Clearly are. Yeah. Right, like maybe we should actually give some reverence to the first layer and ask her what she went through and and apologize like for, her for are. pissing her
3: off. Yes, like, like she's she's fucking angry and she's angry for a reason. And like it just doesn't seem at any point that anyone is um, in this episode. And and I know you know this is a spoiler free podcast, so there is more to say about Sinea, which mm-hmm. we can't talk about here, but we eventually will. And but even with that context, it's still like in this episode yeah. we hear from her. Very little. Most of what we hear from her is via Tara, who yeah. is speaking for her. Um, certainly, I think I have room for, I would imagine that we all have room for, like, the idea that there's a lineage, that, um, you know, that things were done differently, that Buffy is doing things differently. She has friends, no Slayers before her, as we've learned, have, like, had that community. Like, it, but it just seems like that story could have been told where there was some reverence for, like you said, um the source. Right. Of it all. So, okay. So, obviously there's some problematic stuff here, but uh, in addition to all of that, there's a lot going on in Buffy's dream. Yes.
1: uh, That I know you want to talk about. Yes, there is. Okay. So, there's a couple things. There's a scene where she's in her bedroom, and she says, Faith and I just made that bed, which is a callback to the dream sequence in This Year's Girl, Mm -hmm. when she and Faith were making that bed. Mm -hmm. Um, I have recently been thinking that You know the expression, you made your bed, now lie in it? Mm -hmm. So she and Faith in Bad Girls really kind of went to that dark side. Buffy touched the chaos and Faith enticed her into this sort of like thrill of aggression. And then Buffy like later tried to kill Faith. So Buffy has like, she has, she's gone to that dark side. Mm -hmm. She has touch that place within her that wants, that craves to, like, be aggressive and to hunt and to take what she can get. Um, And now she has to deal with those consequences. Mm. You know, she keeps saying a slayer is not the same thing as a killer. And Riley keeps calling her killer in that dream. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of has to, like, deal with, well, where does my power come from? Um That's really yeah. interesting
3: because it is the struggle that we've seen her facing for the whole series, but certainly once Faith came around yeah. was when she was like, I'm but I'm not that. I'm
1: not that thing. Mm-hmm. But truthfully, she is. She is. Um The other thing from that part of the dream, so Tara hands her the tarot card of Manus. Mm-hmm. And because I'm a huge tarot geek, I did Buffy's numerology for her soul and shadow card in Go the tarot. <laughs> so we're listening. Yes. Yeah, so if you calculate Buffy's birth date, mm-hmm. um, you get her soul card, which is the Empress. So that's like Buffy as the prom queen, Buffy with friends, Buffy, this happy, sunny Southern California girl. Mm -hmm. Her shadow card is the hanged one, which (laughs) is all about martyrdom and sacrifice and kind of being bound by outside forces. So she's bound by her sacred birthright and she's always sacrificing herself and um, she has these two sides of herself. So it's all about like this episode is all about like light and darkness and reconciling the two of them, mm-hmm. and, um, and becoming a whole person that way. <laughs> um, wow. Thank you. For being here with us and talking about *Restless*, Um, thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, yes!
3: Thank you. Um, I really like the perspective that you brought, and also bring as a writer, as a poet, and also as somebody who is obviously deeply entrenched in the Buffyverse (laughs) um, is really amazing. And for an episode like this, I think it's so cool. Like that, we could. I mean. So many people could watch this episode and, like, okay, what's the thing that, like, really stuck out to you? And it's, like, everybody's going to have something different. It's really mm-hmm. that kind of episode. Yeah. So it's been really awesome to, to hear your perspective and yeah, have you bring you. these things into the, into the fold.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah.
3: Thank you, Lauren, for talking to us. We really – this has been a really fun journey through this episode. We've had so many fun conversations with so many yeah. people. And, yeah, let, let's let's talk about some of the things that maybe we didn't talk about with Lauren.
2: The demons have escaped. Please run for your lives. <laughs> That's a good
3: voiceover. Thank really... you.
2: So there's that. But don't worry. Riley and Adam have a plan. They're going to make a a pillow fort. A pillow fort! To uh, defend themselves against the escaped demons. What, Jenny, is a better segue
3: to the Sexual Tension Awards (gasps) than Riley building Uh, a pillow fort? (laughs)
2: Wow, welcome, 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 one and all. There comes a time in a young girl's life when it's the Sexual Tension Awards again. Wow. It's a very exciting time for all of us, including Emily
3: McLongstreet. (laughs) Uh, She who runs the Sexual Tension Award bracket, a bracket which will uh, begin running as soon as this week's poll has ended. So if you want to be part... Now, every other week, you get the chance to be a part of the democracy that is choosing the winner for the episode. But it is quite sure. a responsibility. Yes. To be a part of the bracket that happens during the offseason where we
2: choose the winner for the entire season. Are you prepared? Are you up to the challenge? Are it's- you ready to take the bull by the horns? Wow, Jenny.
3: And. Got any other weird sex metaphors over there? What
2: the <laughs> hell? Who's having sex with a bull around here? <laughs> Anyway, we'll, well, I we'll talk off mic. <laughs> yeah.
3: um, okay, so let me first tell you all the winners of the Sexual Attention Award poll from Prime Evil, Season 4, Episode 21. Um, in last place, are thruple, 13% for Adam and Spike and Riley. <laughs> Apparently, it was just a little too much man for all of you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh, just yeah, I one too many... many. Muscles Uh and floppy (laughs) discs.
2: I don't think any of those discs would be floppy given the opportunity. Uh,
3: In in third place, we have decrypt my code, (laughs) Willow, and decryption. Uh, I want to say that um, we don't talk about Angel uh, because Brittany Ashley and Laura Zach do, do. but, Jenny, there's a really fun moment in Blind Date, which is the 21st episode of Angel. So they aired back-to-back. Back,
2: uh-huh, uh-huh. Where, uh Where Cordelia— Oh, my God, is on the phone with, with Willow. Willow. And they're decrypting also. They're decrypting, too. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so great. And what's even more fun, and they talked
3: about this on Angel on Top, you should really be listening. It's a joy. Um, uh, Alexis Denisoff and Allison Hannigan— now Alison Denisoff yes, uh, yes. Uh, began dating at the beginning of you know like sort of like when um, Alexis moved to the Angel show right and so what's really fun about the scene in Angel where they're decrypting the code is that uh, Cordelia says to Wesley Willow says hi oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is just cute and fun because they were dating. Okay. Oh, is cute. I have to stay on track. Um, second place in our Sexual Attention Award poll for Prime Evil is Spike and Buffy with 30%. Nice. Not a poor showing, but 4% extra <laughs> was given to the winner, 34% went to Zombie Forest and Riley. (laughs) Oh, God. And you know, we've been... Forest has been waiting for that for the whole season. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, so I think well-deserved Forest R.I.P. And um, your trophy is in the mail? Mail, yeah. Your trophy is in the (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) This is the best thing that ever happened to me.
4: I'm free of all my weaknesses. My doubts. He's gonna fix you up too. As soon as he got some choice parts, then you and me will be back on the same side, moving toward a new future.
2: Wow. All right, Jenny. What do we got? Season finale. Oh, sexual well, tension. Here we go. We've uh, we've got some hot, hot, hot contenders for this episode. Um, they are uh, the following couplings. First of all. For that uh, opening scene where Giles wanted to make sure Joyce didn't want to join them to watch some blockbuster videos. It's Giles and
3: Joyce. Yes. I love a Giles and Joyce. Two (laughs) adults. Two adults, one bathrobe, one pair of glasses. (laughs) (laughs) What will happen? (laughs)
2: <laughs> okay. Um, also, uh, you know, if that's not quite your taste, uh, we've also got a nomination in place for Joyce and Xander. Joyce is coming eee. out
0: hot. Well, episode. I mean, look
2: at that. Lady, Lady in red. Cheek okay. to cheek. All right. I just have
3: to get to the cheek to cheek part. <laughs> Yikes. Okay.
2: <gasps> okay. Who else okay. we got, Jenny? Uh, speaking of C-H-E-E, but a different consonant and then also an extra vowel, we've got the cheese man <laughs> and cheese. The cheese man <laughs> and cheese. The cheese man and cheese. Speaking of C-H-E-E, but replace... Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat it Let for all me- of you.
3: Be me. I'm going to. And
2: if none of those options works for you.
3: Yeah. I feel a little underwhelmed so far. What else do we got, Jenny?
2: We've got Willow and ancient Greek queer poetry. (laughs) Uh, that she's painting on the back of her girlfriend. Incredible. Wow. I'm sure that we
3: discussed this in the last episode, Jenny, but do you know that the first time that that poem by Sappho was on television was actually before this episode? It was on Xena, and it was a poem that Xena read
2: to, what's her name? Gabrielle. Yeah. Oh. So. This is the... Listen, I don't mean to. This is some gay ash, <laughs> <laughs> is what this is. Bless us, everyone. Yes. Yeah, so, um, um, Twitter. At, I think. I think we already know who won. But yes, please join us mm-hmm. uh, and by casting a vote in our democracy. We are at buffering cast. Look for this sexual tension award poll. Yeah, you've got a week to vote, and, and then when the winner is decided, the bracket shall begin. Yes, with. we activate Emily McLongstreet
3: as soon as this poll <sighs> ends. And then shit gets real. Also, I'm I'm not looking forward to being done with the series, Jenny. But, like, the excitement I have for the Sexual Attention Award vote-off of season to season for one ultimate winner. It's going to rock. Do you think it's going to be Faith and Buffy?
2: Too soon to say. Too soon to say. Too soon to say. Uh, But also, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't let everyone know that you were bummed that there are only four— uh, polling slots on Twitter because you wanted Anya and steering yeah to be uh, nominated. So if anybody wants to write that in, please go yeah, ahead. Please feel free. Um, cool. So that's your last sexual tension award of season four. Wow. <laughs> sexual-
3: Okay, so we had a a conversation with Lauren already about some of the problematic things in this episode, specifically with Sanea, and talked about it already. But just to repeat, um, I think that I would have been a lot more pleased with this episode had there been a little more reverence for Sanea's experience and also uh, the things that she was bringing to the table. After we uh, get through the desert, the scene in the desert, we're back in Buffy's living room and... Buffy essentially is like, I'm going to ignore you um, and you're going to go away. And then, as we've already discussed, makes a super racist
2: comment about her hair. Yeah. Um, I do think it's worth mentioning in from the commentary that Joss talks about this moment of uh, Buffy just being like, I'm just going to like stop paying attention. And like this is not going to be part of my vibe. Um, He talks about that. Essentially, the climax of the episode is very anticlimactic, and that's Mm. the point, because Buffy's rejecting the narrative of the Slayer as a tragically isolated figure. Right, right.
3: And this is—and, you know, I think we touched on it a little bit with Lauren, but that's what's complicated, right, is that, first of all, um, I don't think it's spoiling anything to say that as the series progresses, we will learn more about Senea. This Mm -hmm. is not the full picture of her experience and with the context that we will get I think that this discussion will expand and change because there's a lot more there than than we just see here but the the problem is that instead of her rejecting you know when she takes a step away from the council she's rejecting like the patriarchy and the control
4: Mm -hmm. Um, and so I
3: think that the complication here is that instead of continuing with that theme they positioned a black woman uh, in this position that is being rejected
2: right there's something very white feminism about it yeah something very like i've discovered my power and the way that i see things is is, uh you know right for everyone
3: fuck yes exactly right it's like i can do this and so sorry that you couldn't like almost like positioning them as though they were um seated equally and that buffy just like figured it out and, and had, yeah. like, equal access to figure it out, which, of course, isn't true on so many levels, not just right. having to do um, with, you know, t- time, race, class, like, so many things. Um, but also just by the very nature of the fact that Sinea was the f- literal first Slayer. Uh, yeah. It, 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 there's a lot of way fat. I think that's a good call, Jenny. Well,
2: that's it. <clears throat> Thank
3: you. You are welcome. So, yeah. Uh, wish that that had been dealt with better. Yeah,
2: handled
0: differently. But that's
3: what's fun about us having a podcast about the show is that we get to kind of like reactivate these conversations in current spaces and with the knowledge that we have. And also, we are um, notably two white women discussing this. Um, And when we were discussing it with Lauren, we were three white women discussing it. So we only are coming at it from that perspective. How many
2: white women does it take? Right.
3: But I think what's really cool is that usually when we open up these conversations it's just the beginning like Jenny and I are yeah. like hey we have feelings about this and this is how we find it to be complicated and obviously I maybe not obviously but I did read um, the excerpts from Joss Whedon and Race on this and some of the information that I'm bringing to the table is coming from that book as well mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know many of you I'm sure will email us and expand the conversation even further and then we do a mailbag episode and we talk about it more and oh it's oh my god really cool what is this a community it's or a community and it's just powerful and wonderful and um Increasingly important, I think, to both of us and, I think, to all of you. So, um, yes, there is my monologue for today. Um, So then everybody wakes up um, and they sort of unpack. They're having
2: a a debriefing of their own.
3: Yes, everybody is debriefing. Um, They're around the table in the living room or in the dining room, rather, and Joyce comes out and is, of course, like, what did I miss? And I love this, like, energy. They're just... The family, <laughs> like
2: the the uh, spirit of the first Slayer, like yeah. trying to kill us in our dreams, and Joyce is like, "Oh, should I make some cocoa?" <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is like, you know, I think very
3: true of humans, right? That, yeah, that like we normalize like whatever situation we're put in. For the most part, if we're in it for long enough, we're so adaptable. We, yeah, we adapt, and we're like, "Right, my daughter's a Slayer. Um, you know, evil abounds, and mm. you know, hot cocoa. heat up some milk. Okay, delicious. Yeah, you know." Wasn't it Spike who really wanted those mini marshmallows? Oh my god,
2: Spike loves the mini god, marshmallows. Joyce really loves
3: making cocoa, huh? It's
2: her maybe cocoa is her love language. Oh, it's like gift giving. What are the love languages? Oh, words of affirmation, touch, uh some other stuff. This is when we really need Brittany and Laura yeah, to help truly. us. Yeah, uh, truly. and
3: hot chocolate. Is and hot really chocolate. where I was headed with that. One more thing. I I think we've talked about um White feminism and the uh, racism and other sort of, like, um, primitive narratives in this um, thing—in this episode. But I will say that at the um, end of the episode, Buffy says— um, I never really thought about it before. And I thought, well, if that isn't the, that's, like, yeah. vessel of— The uh, chorus. Right. It's like, that's the chorus of white feminism. It's the chorus of privilege. Um, it's it's a thing that I think, Jenny, you and I both have had to look at, um, especially in the last couple of years mm-hmm. since the election, of, like, I never really thought about it. Right. Why? Because I didn't have to. I didn't have to. D- Buffy has not had to. She says something earlier in the episode, too. She's speaking to Sanea, and she says, "I walk, I talk, I shop, I sneeze. and And the intentionality of the line is like, I do all of these things because I'm not just a slayer. And it's like you've had the privilege of being not just a slayer of, exactly. Um we and don't know I know anything about Senaya, right. And what's amazing about this episode is I think that it was, again, I don't know, but it seems like it was very unaware of the fact that it was even highlighting that privilege. Right, I think that yeah. even the, the writers in the room were writing from a place of privilege where they didn't even realize what they were capturing. Sure. But I think that we can see it. And when that line was spoken at the end of the episode, I was like, well, if that isn't it, yeah. um, that's a pretty big thing. And um, then, of course, almost the tail end of the episode, we get Buffy saying to the group, hey, at least you didn't have that guy with the cheese in your dream. <laughs> Which is a very, it reminded me of the end of Pang's. Um oh. <laughs> you know?
2: Like they're all at the yeah, table, especially like, with Angel here. Yeah. wow <laughs>
3: right? Anyhow, I thought that was fun. And but then, that's not
2: the last thing that happens. It is the isn't. last thing that happens is Buffy goes by the open door for her old bedroom, looks at the bed meaningfully. Mm-hmm. And then walks away. And can I tell you something that you're going to have to edit out? It's a spoiler. Oh, my God. You can. Are you trying to drive them crazy? Well, <laughs> you could edit it out and then, in, and then put it on Patreon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you want. Redacted.
3: Wow, Jenny. Thank you for that spoiler. <laughs> um, very, very exciting. Actually, there's a moth flying around your head right now, which I feel is some, I guess somehow the, like the, list the traditional
2: The membership. traditional <laughs> spoiler moth. <laughs> It's just like in The Magicians, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Every time I'm about to say a spoiler, a cloud of moths just
3: surrounds (laughs) my face. Um, Yeah, so we leave Buffy looking at her bed, and we hear this voiceover from Tara once again. And I think that means, Jenny, that we're about to go into season five. Truly. Wow, I wonder what's going to be there waiting for us. (sighs) Ah! (laughs)
2: Uh, I'm excited. I'm Um, so excited.
3: I will say, you know this already, we're taking a break and we will be back with a live taping from uh, World Cafe Live in Philadelphia Friday the 13th of September. We're going to be taping the premiere, uh, which is Buffy versus Dracula.
0: Hell yeah!
3: Uh, And we'll be airing that episode and returning with season 5 on September 18th, I believe, is that Wednesday that follows. So we'll be gone for a little while, but if you are um, a patron supporter, if you're a Patreon supporter, there are a lot of things happening over the next few months. Um, We have concerts from Jenny. We have a comic book club with me. We have Buffy Watches. Yeah. We have, Jenny you are going to do a wrap-up song. It's almost as if we're not taking a break. It is almost (laughs) as if. But we'll be pretty active over in the Patreon space. We'll be doing a mailbag episode um, and some other.
2: I think that season four wrap-up song is just going to be about Riley's abs, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how you are. So
3: inspired. And what I would like to encourage you all to do, if you are not already listening to Angel on Top, oh you have gosh. this time. This get break. caught up. It's so good. Get caught up because I will say like it has been good from the jump, but Brittany and Laura are they it's like, just get more powerful
2: every day. It's, it's phenomenal. Terrifying. I'm
3: like obsessed with them. Like I literally I recorded a little um, bit of the finale with them. I did the fuck watch uh, and I also did a segment on Cordelia's arc uh, for the finale. And I was listening to the podcast before I pulled up to Britney's house to record, and I kind of felt like, "Wow, I can't believe I'm going to talk to them." And I've like <laughs> been listening to them this whole time, and like we're friends, and they're so cool. Oh my god! I just think they're really brilliant. I think they're really brilliant, and they have Truly. such a different energy than yeah. you and I have. I
2: love listening to them. I love listening to, each other. to them too.
3: I think um, I think it's a really great quartet that we have going. So um, if you miss us, you could uh, listen to Angel on Top, get caught up, and this way when we all come back in September. You can be on board. You can have something every week.
2: Hell yes. Right? All right. Well, Jenny, who are you? Man, I am Jenny Owen Youngs, who is so bummed to be coming to the end of season four, but so excited to be on the cusp, standing on the on the yawning edge of the abyss of season five. Wow. Wow. And um, mm, uh, when I'm not making this podcast... I am making songs. And uh, some of those songs are going to be coming out
0: yeah. during
2: our break, actually. I'm going to be releasing some music uh, over the late spring and summer. So please follow me on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else at Jenny Owen Youngs. And you can stay up to date on my releases. I don't want to stress you out, but one song I'm releasing is called Vampire Weeknight. So wow. So that just sounds like it might be relevant to your interests. So uh-
0: stay <laughs> tuned
2: for that um and that's who I am that is the end of my spiel
3: um I too am very excited to roll into season five Jenny I think it's going to be like the dawn of a new era um and and just like a glorious journey Um, yeah
2: totally glorious yeah that's definitely the word I would use yeah me too so
3: um we're all pretty excited about season
2: five and when uh, we get to season five I'm gonna be like Kristen where have you been I've been right here this whole time.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: wow.
3: Okay. So many
2: of you are like, what the fuck is going on?
1: I right know. Now?
3: It's, it's rude. It's like when you go to a party and somebody else didn't go, and then you're just talking to your other friend about the party in front of the person who didn't go to the party. Oh, We're sorry. We're, We're just all going to the party
2: together in September. We
3: are. That is literally the most valley girl you have ever been in your whole <laughs> life. You couldn't see Jenny, but her head just darted back and forth a Truly. bunch of times. Um, as I was saying, I do work uh, with LGBTQ. Communities. Um, you can learn about that work by going to my website, which is com. That's K R I S T I N. N-O-E-L-I-N-E. A few things that I have coming your way this summer. Um, I'm about to spin off to direct A Camp, which is a sleepaway camp for queer women and trans folks. Uh, I also, at the end of June, will be hosting an All Ages Pride Party. It's the seventh year running. We'll be at Housing Works Bookstore on June 29th. It's a really special event. It is sponsored once again this year by the Tegan and Sarah Foundation. And something really exciting that I don't have all the details for yet, but that's going to happen is that Tegan and Sarah Foundation this year are sponsoring New York City All Ages Pride. Pride on June 29th. They're also sponsoring Atlanta Pride in October. So, we're going to do our first all ages <gasps> Pride party oh, wow. in Atlanta over that Pride weekend. And as we have details, of course, I will share them. So, if you want to f- stay up to date on all of that, um, KristenNoline.com, you can use that same spelling to follow me on Twitter and on Instagram. And I would be remiss not to tell you that I also will have a podcast happening every single week all the way through July which is about the L word. I am sorry, and you are welcome. (laughs) It is already a really great time. It's me and Reese Bernard, who is the CEO of autostraddle.com. She's a genius. Uh, It's truly one of the most brilliant human beings I have in my life and is Mm -hmm. also an expert about all things L word. So we are unpacking that. There's a lot of conversations about sexuality, Bush confidence. Um, Yup. Yeah, it's really,
2: it's a good time. Maybe I'll just randomly start a television podcast over the summer with all my free time. (laughs) Uh, Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. And you can always email us at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. A fly fell in my coffee. No.
3: Yeah. I just drank
2: it. Well, I assume it didn't intentionally go into
3: She's digging it out, everybody. (laughs) I got it out. And you're just going to keep drinking that coffee. Yeah, whatever. I mean, even if it pooped in there, it can't be. Oh, God. It's such a small fly. Okay. Okay.
2: Moving on.
3: (laughs) Um, Okay, right. So if you'd like to support us, which obviously we need all the support we can get. Clearly, Kristen needs help. (laughs) You can support us by going to bufferingthevampireslayer.com. You can click on Patreon, join our Patreon family. It's a really beautiful space. Um, as mentioned before, we will be doing a lot of things over the summer. And you can, yeah. you can find out actually all of those things by just going to our events page, clicking <gasps> on events on that website, uh, and you can see all the things we'll be doing. You can also support us by going to our store. We have so much fun new merch, including an enamel pin with witches on it. It's really great. Uh, treat yourself to some swag and holy shit
2: we'll be back in your fucking ears pretty soon thank you so much for joining us for this season and previous seasons you rock we're very thankful for you and we can't wait to come back in September we really cannot Jenny uh,
3: are you ready for a howl that encompasses not only Restless but all of
2: our freshman year of college I'm gonna dig deep All right. Till next season. Ah, <gasps> uh,